Welcome to the Growing Empowered Podcast. I'm your host, Ahuva Hirschkop, mother of three, registered dietitian, and permission coach for high-achieving women. I work with women all over the world who want to feel as successful as the world sees them by creating the permission they never needed in the first place to be who they truly are and always have been and change the world in the process. Each week, I'll be sharing personal insights, amazing interviews, and new perspectives, all with the goal of supporting you in understanding the life you want to live and exactly how to get there, no matter how many items currently on your to-do list. If you're ready, then let's dive in. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you um, because... You're actually, I think, the first person that I ever saw a Facebook advertisement for oh. or Facebook like post about like an online program. Yeah. I was like, what is this? What is this person doing? What is this magic? Way back, probably in right when I graduated, 2014, mm-hmm. like right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love if you could tell everyone a little bit about who you are, how you got started in the online space, because you're like my OG online space person. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yes. And, and I'm, I'm proud that I've been running online programs since 2013. So when yeah. I was learning, I was trying to find those people out there that I was like, what is this crazy mm-hmm. world? Really fun. So I was trained as a registered dietitian. Um, you know, did that undergrad, did that master's took a, took a few years to like get it all done. So when I was 29, I became a registered dietitian and I just had these like big dreams for what that looked like. I don't know what I thought it looked like, but in my head, like help me because I like, also had those. I was like, yeah, oh, I, like. I was able to like help people with their health and inspire them to make change. And I really loved natural health at the time, which is why I got into nutrition. So showing people how to cook and eat better and just like be natural. Like that was like yeah. my vibe. And, um, I was so excited to get out there. I think I wanted to work in, um, like population health, public health. I wanted to run programs. I wanted a book. I wanted a show. I wanted an empire. I wanted to change the world. Like I wanted that from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And when I got out into dietetics, there was like no cool jobs. They all sucked. The ones that were available, the ones that paid well, you'll never get, like you might get like a mat leave or like a, oh, you'd never get them contract. Um, and so that was really interesting for me. So my first year I, I did get a cool job. I taught cooking classes for kids, but I had to like move two hours from where I lived. So I moved into like the country. It was like a small town and I it was from scratch. So I got to build the programs and test yeah. them and which evaluate it as a dietitian. Just like, <laughs> and it's what I do now, like made yeah. myself my own job now, but back then I loved it, but you know what? I got really exhausted and I quit after after 10 months. So I love my job. I love coaching the kids. I love running programs, but it was so much work for that yeah. job. Like I got in early in the morning. I worked with the kids all day. I cooked, I cleaned, like I did, you know, like I loved it, but it was so exhausting. And then I got a job in a family health team. And, um, and it was like a couple months into that job that I was like, Oh crap, I need to start my own business. Like I can make more money. I can do the things I want. I can yeah. make change. I can take control. And so for me, you know, my very early career, I turned into an entrepreneur within like about a year and a half of yeah. my career. And it's mostly because I was so unhappy. I got high expectations in life. Like I just, <laughs> I got high expectations. And if I'm not happy, I'm not able to be unhappy for very long. So I was just unhappy with the jobs I could get with my training. And I had like bills to pay. I had my master's degree that I was in debt with. And 
it just, it kind of sucked, but something inside of me made me confident and a little crazy enough to think I can do this on my own. <laughs> so, you know, I like started a business since then I no longer am a dietitian. So I was a registered dietitian for 12 years. I just last year didn't renew my license. Wow. And, um, yeah, it was like a big deal, right? Cause you put all that money and all that time into getting a license. And unfortunately for me, it was just not something that I could keep. And I'm fully, I've been fully in my current business for about three and a half years now, the leverage practice where we help other health practitioners and clinicians who might be dietitians or therapists or naturopaths or nurses or doctors or whoever they are to build online group programs, courses, memberships, like trainings so that they can find balance in their career and that they can find change and that they can, you know, work less with all the one-to-ones that we take on when you're in a service-based industry. So that is what I do now. And I think it's so interesting that you sort of say that because I had the same experience, you know, having graduated. And for me, I was like, I just need a handout of the Mediterranean diet and I can fix everybody. Everybody's going to be healthy. Everyone's going to love life. There's no more disease, like all of these sort of, you know, rose colored glasses, visions of what it meant to, to be a dietitian, to graduate as a dietitian, to have this expertise and also a very siloed view of what was possible, right? It was sort of, you can get a job on a hospital floor or you can get a job in a clinic or you can do, there was a very specific, almost subset of thing of what was possible when we were coming out of school. I think we were taught that. Like, I think my sure. parents and what they went through was like, yeah. do some training and go get a great job and totally. do your job for that long. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'll be, I'm 39, I'll be 40 this month. So that's my like era. Right. So I think we were taught that in the school system still taught us that. And even before you registered for university, you thought that, and I'm such an optimist that I think I always just thought like, I'll, do something better. Doesn't you know, like that's why I became an entrepreneur. I thought everything would work out. It has, but it was a lot of hard work, but you know, totally. but I think we were taught that. And so I'm really like, I'm really intensely annoying and passionate about helping people understand that they can still find that, but often it's like taking it into your own hands, which is what I had to do. I had to take it into my own hands and create my own, my own thing that I yeah. loved to do. And even that changed over time too. Yeah, yours has changed a couple of times, sort of in, in like what, you know, I've seen over the last couple of years, but I think that that's being the eternal optimist almost, or being able to hold that vision is something that is so powerful um, and is so important as you sort of start this entrepreneurial journey. Because yeah. I think I also think we paint those as, as sort of like, you'll just start a business and it'll be Amazon. Yeah. And I think for me and, and for everyone who's becoming an entrepreneur in those first few years, it really, it really is about making money. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I didn't, I didn't think about, I didn't have a business plan. I didn't think how I would make a million dollars or anything like that. I was like, how can I make more money than my salary? How yeah. can I quit my job? And I think that's an often first step. How can I make more money than I'm making here or the same amount to replace it and just do work that I loved? I never wanted to get into one-to-one, but that's where I started because in the service-based industry, as a clinician, you think people give me money for one-to-one. Yeah. So I grew a little one-to-one practice. And then I started doing other things on the side, which is when you saw me running online events in 2013 already yeah. because we had run in-person events and not everyone could make it in person. And- Demos for Dietitians, that online program was the first 
program in Canada in dietetics anyways, in our industry that was online, like an online educational program outside of university, like that didn't exist yet. Um, And so that was really fun and cool to be a part of, but it's hard to learn those things early on. Right. But I think, I think we were taught those things and then you needed to kind of recreate something. So I got into entrepreneurship to make money, right? I was like, I have to find a a way for people to give me money. Where's the problem? What can I solve it? And I got into work that way, but within a year or two, um, I guess within maybe a year, like 12 months, I realized that I could only see so many patients. Like Mm -hmm. I could only work with so many one-to-ones, which is so like such a huge issue in the health service industry and the clinical industry is because that's what we're again taught to do. Just see patients all day, every day, do your charts at night. You might need to work on the weekends. Like it's so much. Yeah. And for me very early on, like about two and a half days a week, like that was good for me. 10 patients a week. Like that was my maximum. And I was like, okay, I'm doing that. I'm making money, but like, how do I make more money? And that's when I started having to think and learn outside of the box. So interesting because I posted this this week actually on Instagram. I was like, I don't know how I feel about posting this, but I did anyway um, because that's what I do is I did not get into entrepreneurship to make money, Mm. right? And I think it speaks so much to, so I was working at a clinic. It was fine before having kids, right? It It was a nine to five and it was like, this is easy. I can walk out the door and not really think about it at night because it's not my own business and I don't have to do all those things. And then I had twins, right? And considering where I was going to go back to work afterwards, knowing that the place that I was working at was not at all family friendly. It was not sort of, you know, when your kid is sick, they're understanding. When I had ultrasounds, even when I was pregnant, they were not overly understanding. And I was like, forget this. I need complete time freedom. Yeah. I need to be able to not ask any questions, not tell anybody, not schedule anything. You know, the clients even that I have worked with both in the pediatric nutrition space and who I'm working with now sort of in, you know, coaching um, as well are people who were fine when I had my 20 month old that he came and was nursing during our sessions, Right that they are fine if I ever needed to reschedule. Like I'm very particular about the people that I work with, the clients that I work with, but my entire entrepreneurship journey started with the understanding that time freedom was my absolute number one priority. And I love that we both got into similar, you know, journeys with totally different priorities to start with. Not that it wasn't a priority for yours. No, I think it's control. Like, I think it's like, whether it's time freedom or flexibility or wanting to do work that you love, or like, for me, a big part of it was I wanted to make change and I couldn't in the family health team, like where I was working, it wasn't working. Like the services weren't working. I'd have people no show and like cancel or they'd come and they didn't do anything. And I was like, this is killing my soul, right? I wanted to make change. So whether it's like making change or finding work you love or, or time freedom or money, it's really taking control. It's like, I'm going to take control of my work life, my finances, the amount of time I put in. And it's so scary and also so exciting to have that possibility to take control of that. Like you were saying, you know, you wanted to be able to breastfeed your kids. Like you wanted a family friend. If someone's sick, what are you going to do? Like you can't go to work sometimes. And so, um, creating that for ourselves is so powerful. And there are so many work environments that just 
do not support women, do not support women creating babies, do not support men in their families. Like Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it's 2022, but it doesn't matter. There's so many businesses that in so many places to work that don't do that. And it's so, so heartbreaking. Like right now, my, we have a nanny, she supports our family and I have Mm -hmm. three kids. They're two, four and seven. So thank goodness I have like full-time help here to help me, but her daughter is in nursing school. Okay. So health, the health industry. What do we do in the health industry? We care for people. We love them. We make them better. She's in nursing school and she just had a baby. And if she didn't go back to school, they were going to like cancel all of her credits or like she couldn't start all like she'd have to start all over again or something. So she could only take this like little break with the baby. And that just brought up for us this conversation of even school, like school work, like is so I had someone yeah. like this is how the world works people yeah. like this is how you're alive is somebody mm-hmm. made you in their belly and then cared for you so mm-hmm. taking control is an incredible thing to be able to do yeah we had a similar experience so when I delivered my twins um my husband is a medical malpractice lawyer and he had to leave while I like I had delivered them at 12 30 mm-hmm. and by nine o'clock in the morning um, there was no leeway for him to not have to leave the hospital. And I was like, this is when these things happen is when nobody is there to advocate for the patient. Like maybe the patient in this scenario shouldn't be left alone. <laughs> so yes, there isn't really, even in these spaces where we come, you know, in a health field, there definitely is not that understanding of like, what does it mean to be a working mother? I think that there's in the places that we work still, even socially, I mean, there's still so much guilt and and stuff that comes up as a working mother and, and working in a space where like the, the work that you're doing doesn't really feel fulfilling anymore when you're also constantly, you know, having that reinforcement of like, but you left early or you came late or you had to, you know, the, the guilt of, you have to leave because your child is sick yeah. is so, so difficult for so many people to manage. Well, it's like 360 too, right? Cause then you're at work and you feel guilty because you didn't take your daughter to preschool that morning or like something like, it's like a two way, it's just a I'm living in guilt. It's a, and like it, it took me a, a long time. Like I come from a, a, I, my personality or my like background, I guess is like self-sacrificing. Like mm-hmm. I'm the planner. I take care of everyone. I, 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 organize everything. I, you know, I'm the parent that like, you know, even if my husband tried to help in the beginning, I was like, get out of here. You don't know what you're doing. You know, I just like overly did everything. And it took me uh, probably a a breakdown with our first kid at the six month mark, because I went back to work right away. Stu also went back to work like the next day, like we got out of the hospital and he went to work on Friday and I was like, cried at my house by myself with a two day old. I was like, what am I doing? And then, you know, within a couple of weeks, right. Like then within like a couple of weeks, I was, you know, doing a little bit of work while Deacon was napping at my mother-in-law, my mom was there to, to help just a little bit. And, but still running the company that was 2015. So you saw me all in, in 2014 and 2015, I was running in-person workshops. I was driving hours. Um, I flew to Quebec city to do like an in-person workshop at our national conference here with my two and a half month old and my husband in the hotel room that I would go up and breastfeed every two hours because I couldn't miss my chance at a national conference to speak on stage. Right. I was like in these early stages of growing my business. And then I had a breakdown at six months and I did some solid therapy for two years and it was really, really helpful, but it took me 
it took me years. Then we had our second, but it took me like years to kind of shed and let go of that version of myself that like needed to do everything and, and felt guilty about it and then move into this place that I feel like I'm in now, which is a huge advocate for women, a feminist, um, and, you know, really just trying to challenge women to, to think about taking care of themselves even differently, like just hiring a cleaner once a month yeah. so that on the weekend you can maybe put your feet up for half an hour. Can you even freaking imagine like you didn't do, do your full-time job and take care of all the kids and plan everything and clean your house and do like, imagine, oh yeah. my gosh, what would we do? So I think like it did take me a long time, but the place that I'm at now is amazing because I, I try to use it to share and inspire other people because we have a full-time nanny who watches our kids and, and she doesn't just do that. She does the laundry, all the laundry. Yeah. Even on the weekend, she's like, don't touch the laundry. You're going to screw it up. I'm like, okay. Like no, she doesn't don't tell me twice. Yeah. 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 We have a cleaner that comes once a week. Now we started with once a month and then it was every other week. And now it's every week. Cause I have three kids and the house is a mess like crazy, you know, and she does, she helps us with dinner. We buy those like good food boxes right now and mm -hmm. she'll like prep it. So it's like hot and ready. That's really helpful. Um, and my husband has less pressure on him. Right. Because I'm not completely burnt out trying to do everything. I mean, I'm still like, Hey babe, can you please like pick the dog poop up off the freaking front step, please, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever, but like, it's, it's, it's way different than, than having to hold all of it. Like you said, and the way yeah. that that guilt or that resentment like starts to ache at us because we need more, like we need to take care of ourselves more. Totally. And that's really where, you know, like so many of the clients that I'm starting to, that I'm like where they're, where they are when they are starting in as like guilt driven overachievers and the word driven, like I always talk to people intentionally because so many of us are like, no, but I'm just, I'm just very passionate and I'm just very driven. And I'm just, and I'm like, yeah, but what are you driven by? Right. Mm -hmm. If it's, I have to do it all. And if it's, I can never celebrate my achievements, but if I fail at something like whether it's, you know, I didn't send my kid with a bathing suit to camp that day, or I actually lost a hundred thousand dollars. Like those two things in your mind are equivalent in terms of how you're going to beat yourself up. What are you actually driven by and what are you being driven towards? Right. Yeah. Because the celebration the thing, point, yeah. the celebration thing is really interesting. Sorry. I'll let you finish. You yeah. No, but at a certain point, like it has to break. And the celebration thing is so powerful because for so many of the clients that I find myself working with, like that celebration, and I've totally found, found myself there as well, which, you know, all of this work was clearly, I, un I, I understand these people's heads because I'm like, it's my brain too, where when you're, when you can't celebrate, it's not, it's not, oh, I did this amazing thing, or I mean, you know, had an accomplishment or my business is starting to take off, or I got a promotion or whatever it is. It's just, oh, thank God I didn't fail because then I would have to beat myself up like crazy. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not that we celebrate. It's just, yeah. Thank God I cannot make myself feel like crap for a little yeah. bit. And I would say like, even, and now what's the next thing? Like, what's the next yeah. thing? What's the next thing? Right. I, I do something now where I do the, the, this is not a new idea, but I do the gratefulness thing every morning. So when I wake up, I open my window and I, I look out, um, at the sky in my backyard. And I'm like grateful for this house. We bought this house in October. It's like our dream family house. We have a pool out back. It's big, bright and light. I like manifested it for a year in my head. I'm like, we got a nice big house, room for mm -hmm. everyone, pool out back. So I'm grateful for, for that. My three healthy kids, the support I have, like I do that full gratefulness every morning. And I love that idea of when you're grateful, it kind of 
solidifies that in your bones for the day, you know? So, so I do that. And I think that that's really great, but I think the celebration thing is still really hard for me. And, um, I think it's such a good, a good conversation and a good point because yes, like you're like, Oh sweet. I didn't fail. Cool. And then I also think it's like, but then that next thing, right? Like, okay. Yeah. I made a sale or okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, we bought our house or like whatever these kinds of things, but it feels like the world doesn't encourage you to celebrate the little things like you celebrate birthdays or anniversaries, but I don't know about your world, but I think like the world that I live in, like, you know, even the small things, I just don't think that we are encouraging enough to celebrate those Mm -hmm. like little things and how big they are. Like my mom came from immigrant parents. And so they grew up, you know, saving and holding on to money and, and with that mindset of like, not enough. And I think like some of the things I've noticed in her is like, if something great happens, like this is being recorded in August in July, we had our best month, best month this year, which yes. is shocking because normally July is slow. Everyone's on holidays. Like, yeah. you know, people are distracted unless you run a camp, like you're not making tons of sales usually in July. But we had our best month ever. Also, everyone was on vacation. So we were like, oh like having our best month and rolling people in like, you know, everyone's on vacation, which is funny. Um, and then like kind of the mindset around that is like, Oh, but will that last? Yeah. You know, like, Ooh, what will this month be like? And I catch myself because as an entrepreneur, you have to be, uh, the optimist and, and a little crazy and like, keep looking forward. But if you have those messages get in your head, like, well, I won this time, but I won't next time. Or like yeah. that was easy, but it won't be easy next time. Or for me, like that was a great month, but oh, I can't continue. Or like, what if it doesn't? And so entrepreneurship or not, we, when we have something good happen, it's almost like, I don't know if it's our parents or their parents or our own inner critic or whatever comes up and is like, but yeah, it like was just only, in case. Yeah. It was I only this me- or. Yeah, I think it's something that for a lot of people, they they think that it keeps them vigilant almost. Like you're like a guard standing watch, right? Like it's, and it's, I think it's also how our brains are wired, right? You're always looking out for, okay, but what's the next challenge that might come up? And I think there's definitely, there's a way to do that where it's, okay, I can, you know, hold this vision and I can celebrate this and I can continue moving forward while being mindful of, you know, shit might happen or what's a challenge that might come up. And then there's a difference between, okay, but I'm never going to celebrate anything because what if it goes away in five seconds? And I think that's where a lot of us stuck. Scarcity, right? It's that scarcity mindset. And, and it has, I just believe it has to come from our parents. Like somebody taught us that if your parents or your grandparents or whoever like grew through an era of shit happened, like, oh my gosh, it really it can be really hard. And I think bringing your awareness to it is the first thing, right? Like catching yourself. Is that true? Yeah. And is that your belief or is that somebody else's? Yeah. So two questions that I always ask, you know, every client is like, whose voice are you actually hearing? Mm -hmm. Right. When you, when we have these thoughts, because they did definitely, I mean, I'm the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors, right? So we have our own totally, like my grandparents rebuilt their lives, like countless numbers of times after the Holocaust, when they had moved to Canada, like we can, you know, starting all over is we could write the book about it. But I think that definitely there is often when we have these thoughts or when we can't celebrate or when we find it challenging is like, whose thoughts are you having? And I think that a lot of it also comes down to the fact that so many of us aren't taught how to trust ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right. And so not that 
stuff isn't scary and not that, you know, starting a business isn't scary or getting to it, you know, a next level isn't scary because sometimes you're like, you know, can we sustain this? Can we grow into this? But the example that I often give is I'm a runner and for a really long time, I would never let myself increase how, how far I ran or my speed, right? Because I'm like, okay, but if I do it once, I'm going to want to do it again. And I don't think that I can ever do that. Right. And I'm going to beat myself up if I can't, if I can't do that again versus the, and and that's a self-trust thing to me, right? I can trust myself to not beat myself up. I can trust myself that even if I falter, I can get back up or I can do it again, right? Versus I know that I'm going to make myself feel like such garbage. And that might be, you know, something for you, whether that's something you experience now or not. But like, if we, if you go from a month that is outstanding to a dip or, you know, for somebody else that might be if one day even bedtime goes really well and then the next night it's a mess. How are you going to make yourself feel that second time, right? And if you trust yourself and you can build that self-trust for a lot of people and, you know, for my, this is my personal experience is like the, all of that becomes a lot easier, right? When we don't have to worry about how we're going to beat ourselves up in the process, right? And we can build that trust. Then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can try and push myself. I can try and achieve more. I can enjoy what's happening now because if it all like messes up tomorrow, I can probably fix that too. Yeah. It's, it's just like, it's like you said, it's the, what we've learned and unlearning it and the awareness. I think like with my job, I'm a business strategist, right? So I work with clinicians. I help them think out of the box. I help them, you know, strategically, I help them build group programs, like take their one-to-one skills and build a group program. Yeah. But what I really do, I would say like what our team does like 50% of the time is more encouragement and confidence building. And, you know, they bring their stuff to me. Like, how much should I charge for this? How much do you want to charge? 99% of the time, what they say is exactly what I would say. They got it already, right? This, this intuitive connecting intuitively to what you want to do, to what you think, to what feels good to you is so important. And and that's what, how I try to coach my clients through entrepreneurship. Yes. There's some strategies and there's some things I'm going to tell you that are going to work better or to do a certain thing or to be careful of something. But often we have so much of the answers inside of us and a really good guide or mentor, like helps us connect with our own feelings about it or our own thoughts about it. And so I think like I say with my team, like it's at least 50% where we're like, you know, someone comes on a call and they're like, can I just talk something out with you? And we do. And I'm like, yes, what you did is great. Yes. This outline looks fantastic. Yes. That message is exactly what people need to hear, you know? Yeah. And we need that because like you said, we're maybe learning how to cultivate trust in ourselves and think intuitively about making decisions, especially around business. And we maybe didn't have that support when we were growing Mm -hmm. up. So we need, this is why coaching and mentorship is so wonderful. And so big these days is we need new people to come into our brains and say like, yes, that's working or trust yourself and to teach us how to do that. So it's a really good point. Totally. Um, Carl Lowenthal, who's, you know, uh, a life coach, a lawyer turned life coach who I always follow. She, the way that she always says it is she's like, especially women who are so, or people who are socialized as women. Um, she always asks the question, okay, but if you did know, right. Like so often, I love that. I, but she's like, 
what do you want? And and people who are socialized as women are like, I don't know. I just don't know. And she's like, okay, but what if you did know? And she tells the story of one of her clients who, when asked that question, had like such a very specific dream of being a particular kind of marine biologist, mm-hmm. right? When just when she, they were, she was like, if you did know what you wanted, what would it be? And it was like, a perfect picture of this is exactly what I want. I have learned that people, not people, I have learned that women often need permission. Like they have the answer. They know what they want and, and they need permission. It's just like you said, cause they don't trust themselves. There's a fight between believing in themselves and having that vision and knowing what they want. And if that other side, I guess that untrusting side that you were talking about, that has those, you know, but it won't work, but it's not for you. But like, what, you know, kind of that fear that comes in. So I think we all have that. It's like you said, we have to unlearn it and, and yeah. But it all, it's, I guess it's a full, a full circle conversation in that sort of saying, you know, when we were, when we were graduating or when we were growing up, right. It's also having these conversations and being able to, have someone, I think for, for myself, even in the evolution and you saying, you know, you no longer have your, your dietitian license. There's for me, but I'm like, but that's an identity that I, you know, know. cultivated or I worked towards, or I did a master's degree to, or being able to see, you know, sometimes like the silos that we thought were possible, right. That we've been socialized, that we've been educated, that we've been through the people that, just through our family history, whatever that is, these silos that, you know, we, we thought this was all that was possible and just having more of these conversations and having people say, you know, Hey, maybe there's more out there right? yeah. oh, no. in the field yeah. or outside of it. It's hard. I mean, I think for me, like financially, right. Four years of undergrad, two years of master's at U of T that cost me like 30 K undergrad, my parents helped with, but that was like another I don't know what 40 K 50 K 60 K your living expenses. Like we're talking a good amount of money in that career, a couple years of working in between those two programs, Yeah, eight years of my life. And then I remember I wrote that freaking exam for any of you that have to write exams to get your damn credentials or whatever. And I passed. Right. And dietitians of Canada, I think mailed me a pen. (laughs) And I was like, maybe, I don't know what else, but like they mailed me like this burgundy pen. And I was like, all this work for this pen you sent me I got an egg guys. poacher you didn't get a pen no I got an egg poacher that's <laughs> way worse but I got this like maroon pen and it was like congratulations and I was like what <laughs> I should have a trophy right now yeah. like the work it takes to complete that and have that identity and then be in it for a while yeah um it was hard it was a hard day for me to it was a hard moment for me to like realize I had to give it up and then a hard day to like not renew, you know, like the last day. <laughs> no, yeah. guys, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, definitely hear that. So if, you know, for anyone who's sort of starting out on their entrepreneurial journey, especially, you know, if they do have rather it's a regulated health professional or sort of like that history, and especially in like working motherhood, any, any advice, anything that, you know, in your, in your many years of being the yeah. OG. I think two things. And we our lead coach, Alex, she's been working with me for almost two years. She's a mom. She's an entrepreneur herself. She's owned several businesses. She always says, um, hire as soon as you can. 
that's how she phrases it. Um, I say, and I agree with her and I say something like, you know, get the support as soon as you can, right? Remember I got a cleaner once a month. Mm-hmm. That's how I started once a month. I had a cleaner then every other week, then now it's weekly. I, um, we got the nanny when we, I had a two month old and I had to work. Right. But we sacrificed other things to have full-time help in our house. And we found someone that was willing to drive our kids around to play groups and do our laundry and like help around the house, not just with the kids. And so I think give yourself that, like you're talking about guilt before, like find that place where it's okay to get support, whether it's paid support or, or, you know, help from parents, but like ask, ask for the support pay for the support, especially if you're a working mom, you know, entrepreneurship or just passionate about your career and growing up the ladder. But really like, I think more women can get help and should get help and probably can afford it. But there's like a mindset block. That's like, we can't afford it or we're not fancy or something, you know, we live in like the forties or something. No, you can have someone clean your house. It's okay. (laughs) Or like, you know, whatever. So I think for me, like one of the big things is support. And the second thing would be think about your career. If you're building a business entrepreneurship, but think about a career that does what you were saying when you were stuck in that job. And you're like, I do not want to go back there. That doesn't support my life, create a business and a career that supports your life. Like I take Fridays off my whole company. We just started doing Fridays off because I want all of them. We actually call it unscheduled Fridays. Yeah. So you can take it off, but like, if you have to check your email or call someone, like call someone totally. but creating a business or creating a career that you're like, I need Fridays off. I need to make more money so I can have someone do my laundry. So on the weekends I can chill with my kids, you know, yeah really look at your career and build something or entrepreneurship and build something that can really create balance for you. So you're not just grinding it out till you burn out. Amazing. I totally, I think that there's so much fear for accepting support and like acknowledging that we need it because people need support. Um, And so the more that we can give permission for women, mothers, entrepreneurs to access the support they need. Um, it's like, like you would go to a doctor if you're sick, because that's a certain kind of support, but, but it's still such a taboo topic. Um, especially around household support. And I love that we are having more of these conversations and opening that up more so that it's just like not, not a taboo thing. Yeah. Normal. Totally normal. Imagine normal for you to get help because you work all day and then you work all night and then you work all day and then you work all weekend. Like imagine you just didn't work and you just watched like trolls with your kids on Saturday morning. Like imagine you just did I watch kids movies. I'm like, can we please watch Moana again? We haven't watched Moana. We're just watching too much Pokemon in this house because it's two boys and a little girl who doesn't argue yet. And I want to watch Encanto again. My and kids Moana are again. just like, trolls. They're obsessed with the trolls movies. So we definitely spend the weekends watching. I just need a little more Moana and Kanto in my life. But, and sorry, I don't know if you guys can hear the crying in the back. I don't know if, uh, if we'll be able to tune that out, but there's definitely crying in this house. Like I'm so, I feel so blessed and lucky that I get to work in the house. So after we're done, I'll go have lunch with the kids and I'll chat with them. And then like, I feel really happy about that, but it also comes with some screaming and you know, that little bit of balancing that mom working at home thing, but I, I love it. So I love Don't it. Don't worry. There's a nanny here taking care of her. 
She's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today. This is such a great conversation. And if people want to learn more about what yeah. you do, who you are, how you serve, where can they find you? Yeah, I have an, I have a podcast as well. So if you're listening to this, you're probably a podcast lover. So my podcast is the leverage practice. So the leverage practice, um, that's also where you can find me on Instagram and our website is leveragepractice.com. But, um, if you like to hear these kinds of conversations, like I definitely talk about business strategy, but I also talk about incorporating that into a busy life as a mom of three kids, seven and under, and, um, and just the things that we can challenge ourselves on to advocate for ourselves and create a career that we really love. So that's where you can find me. Let me know where you came from. If you find me on Instagram or wherever, and, um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me. Enjoy your lunch. I will. (laughs) Thanks for listening to growing empowered eaters. Before you go, Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Leave us a five-star review and take a screenshot and send it to me over on Instagram at my handle at ahuva, A-H-U-V-A-R-D, so that I can say a proper thank you for joining me on this mission to Growing Empowered Eaters.